0: Hi everyone. Welcome to One Question with Pastor Adam. I have a special guest with us today. It's Leo. Hi Leo. <laughs> How's it going? Great. Leo and I um have had some conversations before. And before, like I was on Leo's show conversations and yep. just talk for like a long time and we yeah. have already been talking and we're like going into this thing talking so
1: yeah we're hitting it we're coming in hot right now yeah.
0: <laughs> leo is bringing like the the deconstruction of all of our binary systems before we even go live so i yes, yes so excited to have you uh leo on one question I um love it. It's it's gonna be it's it's always good to talk with you uh, and I'm gonna do a little intro thing to one question. Um, so I, if I can remember, it's the new year, so I don't remember like it's been a while since I did it. This is one question with Pastor Adam, and <laughs> I'm believers. I'm a pastor to believers and doubters, to unfaithful Christians and faithful atheists and Jesus wasn't afraid of questions and neither are we here on One Question with Pastor Adam and Leo is not afraid of questions either. And so if you have questions for our topic today, uh, which is faith and transgender Christians, uh, feel free to bring those in to the chat section. Um, And I, Leo and I started talking about doing this conversation. about two a week and a half ago, yeah. before the events of yesterday uh, mm-hmm. that, that I'm still trying to process. and I know Leo is still trying to process too, but before we get into the conversation, leo, can you um can you tell people a little bit about yourself and also about the project conversations official that you are that you're doing? Absolutely.
1: Um, so the the only flaw with one question with Pastor Adam is that like I'm very like I grew up as a pastor's kid like I'm not really wired to just do one question. Oh, we have um, so,
0: a lot of questions, yes today. Yeah,
1: but we'll do like we'll do like at least two questions today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I actually, as I indicated to in my little shtick, um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Uh, From the age of five, I understood myself to be a person who was called to ministry. Uh, I went to college and majored in pastoral ministry. But the big wrinkle in my plan was that I was actually assigned female at birth. Um, So all of these things that I was doing, I was doing as a biological female. Um, I was also just terrible at presenting as a female. Uh, So I was a very, very um, like tomboyish type of girl. Uh, So... I came to understand myself to be a lesbian between my junior and senior year of college. I went to a conservative Christian Bible college that did so well with stewardship that it had to file bankruptcy and close one of its campuses. I don't have any grief or bitterness there, not it's not, it's not for today, but um, <laughs> so I, I came out uh, between my junior and senior year and was like, was henceforth stripped of um, any leadership roles I had, which were a bunch on campus, um, any worship leading, any public speaking, any small group leading, and they actually went a layer further and put me in a single uh, so that I couldn't spread the gay, but the joke's on them because I had a studio apartment with my girlfriend for senior year. <laughs> Come at me now, Naya. Right, Come yeah. at me now. Um, and then, uh, you know, after I graduated, I uh, I was definitely in the throes of, of coming out. And I think that I, at the time, underestimated the amount of emotional toll that that took on myself. And so I did try, I applied to some churches, I applied to some programs, I applied to some seminaries, but it, it just wasn't right. Um, so I kind of moved back from New York City to rural Western New York slash Western Pennsylvania, weird flex. Um, and then I, I did try to engage with the Episcopal church a little bit, but it didn't quite jive. Uh, it didn't work out. There was some things that just kind of prohibited me from being involved in ministry on a, uh, on a level of an ordained person in the Episcopal church. And I was really disenfranchised by that. Um, so I kind of took almost seven years off from church, to be honest. Um, and for those of you who didn't catch the subtext of that, I was a person who grew up in Christian culture as well as Christian church. Cause I've come to understand that I was part of both. Um, so I grew up in that whole context. That was my world. That was my family. That was my friends. And moreover, that was my deeply held sense of vocation. And so for me to come out, it put all of those things. I knew that when I came out, I was risking losing every one of those things. Mm. And I did. Um, I'm I'm glad to say that I you know I have my mom back in my life. Uh, my brother has always been supportive. I, I have relationships with my mom's side of the family, but that was something that took some building and it took some work. Uh, I will say that just this past year, it's been 10 years since I came out, and just this past year, my mom called me and she did. She apologized um, for how she reacted when I came out, and she said, you know, I I I failed you once, and I'll fail you again in the future, but please know that you you never lost me I never stopped loving you I just didn't do it well and I mean I was like weeping that was a decade in the making and I never thought it would happen uh, but just this year I really felt a turn uh, I got an apology from my mom I got an apology some, from some of my uh, friends who are on my soccer team which for me was a big part of my life so some really uh, apologies I never thought I'd get came to me this year Um, And I had been talking to my counselor regularly, uh, because I think counseling is fantastic. And uh, out of nowhere, you know, we were talking about faith and stuff. And then out of nowhere, I decided to pop off and make a video about um, LGBTQ people and the evangelical church. Uh, I was standing in front of my business uh, in small town, Western New York, and I made a video at eight minutes It's like eight minutes and 37 seconds or something. But it's the eight minutes and 37 seconds. I can never go back from that video got 10,000 views. I've never gone viral before. Uh, when I, and it was just insane. The amounts of stuff that came in um, from that video, just people resonating with it, people commenting, people stopping me in multiple drive throughs in my town to tell me, thank you, because like the video that I made was what they needed. And ironically enough, a local pastor from a a non-denominational evangelical church that has absolutely no covering or... Theological grounding um, uh, responded to my video because, uh, you know, like me thinks he does protest too much. Um, So apparently he was very triggered by this. So he made a series of videos uh, misgendering me and saying that I was inciting violence and calling me a heretic and calling me hateful and all of these things. Uh, so I made a video back just with the points of the actual biblical points about, you know, like LGBTQ people. And he also was saying that Black Lives Matter was evil. And so my whole tenet um, was you cannot say that Black Lives Matter is evil and that LGBTQ people are going to the hell and and be saying that you're operating the love of Christ. You simply cannot. And I am done putting up with that. Uh, I don't I don't know if I even wanted to come back to the church, but I noticed that at this summer that this summer there was no, there was no uh, clergy presence at our protest. Yeah. And I said, you know what? If they won't do it, I will. So I bought a collar and I reminded myself that I had the theological education and mm-hmm. I, I stepped up. And I think that um, the healing that I received from the apologies that I got this summer were very sustaining. I think I had finally emotionally worked through enough of my religious abuse um, in counseling. And I'm really happy uh, with the way things are going. Out of that story has come Conversations. Uh, Conversations actually started 10 years ago. It's a project of mine um, that's an outcropping of my capstone project for my pastoral ministry degree. So the capstone project was, if you could design a ministry, what would it be? Um, You know, as and as someone who has a hard time with the idea of church and sometimes the word Christian, and someone who understands themselves to be a pastor, like how do you reconcile, like I'm supposed to be a pastor, but you know, screw church, right? That's weird. So uh, conversations is a spiritually minded small group. Uh, in 2010, we started meeting uh, back then. We would do it in person and the age of COVID. Now we meet online, but basically I facilitate a spiritually minded conversation about life um, and the intersection of spirituality and life, whatever that means, uh, unencumbered by any framework. And it's been fantastic so far. Um, I, I've since, uh, since relaunching it, rebranding it, uh, giving it a new face this year. Uh, we do a weekly video series. So if you want to catch us on Facebook at Conversations Official, we do a weekly video. Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we have a Facebook group where people are dialoguing regularly throughout the week. And I drop special videos in there. We have a podcast. We have a YouTube channel. We have a merch shop. Um, We've got it all and you can find all of these things you can find at conversationsofficial.com so currently right now we're also working on getting a transcription service going so that we can be intersectional because I've come to the realization personally that being intersectional and being interfaith and being accessible don't happen by accident. Um, And so I'm working to get money together to do live captioning for our videos and provide transcripts for the podcast
0: so. That's brilliant. That's awesome. I have so many, this is only one question, but I have so many questions. <laughs> okay. I'll allow you to. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you meant you, so you were, you, a lot of us are have experienced being wounded by the church. Absolutely. And have we have so many different responses to being wounded by it. Um, and what was it about the church that brought you back? Uh, what was it that that the church basically said uh, no to your identity? Yeah. So what what was it about faith, God, whatever that you were like? I'm not going to give up on this thing called church.
1: Um, that, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you ask it because I'm a verbal processor. And so a lot of times when I'm podcasting, like I'm along for the ride with the rest of you, cause I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth next. You know what I mean? Uh, because that's, that's how I work through things. And so this is something that I'm thinking through deeply in my life right now, because it's, it's antithetical, like it doesn't make sense. Um, but for me, when I think about what I believe and when I think about the non-negotiables of what I believe, because make no mistake, when you're coming out and it's going to cost you your community and your family, you have to decide what you're not going to give up on. And so I, I know for me, the overarching ideals of hope and peace and love are the things that I keep coming back to. And there are moments where I have experienced transcendence um, and a transcendent, like I have had a transcendent encounter with something intangible that has indelibly changed me, given me hope. I not to be like too crazy, like I used to be a little Pentecostal, but I definitely have been sick, and someone has prayed, and then I have been better. And there, there are just things that I can't explain. Um, and and I'm, I have a lot of friends who are atheists. Actually, I've I've had a couple atheists on conversations, and I have a couple more coming up um, because we end up majoring on the same majors, right? But for me, there's just some sort of transcendence there. And the way, the framework that I understand it through is Christianity. And so at first I just couldn't give up on it because of those feelings. And then this summer I got a little indignant and I said, I'm not going to give up on it. Like you're going to come to me, right? Like you're going to come to me. I'm going to set the tone of this conversation. I'm not groveling at your altar anymore. I'm coming. And I'm saying, you explain these Bible verses. You explain me because for so long people were like, you can't be gay and a Christian. And I was like, hi, you know uh, what I mean? <laughs> like not to blow up your worldview, but w- I'm gay and a Christian yeah. do with that what you will, but you c- at least can't say I don't exist. And that's kind of where I came to this summer was like, this is as much my culture as it is anybody else's. And so even if I don't claim the faith anymore, I will claim my Christian culture. And through that, I've begin to see these sort of transcendent experiences happen, you know?
0: We've got some comments. Uh, Raylene says, hey, Leo, you have a church, a special ministry, just the way it began way back when. No building required. A lot of hearts. I love it. A lot of hearts going on here. Um, yeah,
1: Raylene has actually been up in my inbox, very supportive and encouraging. And, like, I can't tell you how much that matters because it's not an easy task that I'm undertaking. So I really appreciate the support, Raylene.
0: It's it's. Yeah. Uh Dakota says, yeah, the dude's hate was gross back Oh yeah D- that's
1: yeah Dakota Dakota is a local LGBTQ teen who has seen well a young adult at this point who has seen all this hate
0: unfold in our community. So when you went when when your video went viral, what was what was it about your video that you think really touched people, resonated with uh,
1: people? I think that there's a lot of people that have have been crushed under the boot of evangelicalism. And we've just kind of accepted this American exceptionalism, neoliberalism, patriarchal, white supremacist evangelicalism for so long but the lived experience of so many people is that that system is flawed and it's awful and it's abusive. And so I think I touched on something, especially in my local context, which is a town of under 14,000 people that 75% or more vote red. Uh, You know, most of the population is uh, there is like, more people are in retirement than our younger families are moving away from our area. Like we are a small area that is like uh, the second lowest in terms of income level and health expectancy in our state, and I think what happened was I stood up in the middle of this sea of red and this sea of, of, of non-denominational evangelicals, and I said, hold the phone, Ugh. and I think, I think people were like, oh, dude, that dude's crazy, right, because not only, like, I, I stood up against uh, evangelicalism, there is a ton of an evangelical presence in our area, and that evangelical presence here, because by proxy of the pastors, is also very connected to law enforcement, and so I stood up in the middle of a time that was total social upheaval, and I said, "Like, hold the phone." And I think that's what got people looking because they were like, "They're like, this is gonna be a train wreck." Like, I think that's why half the people were watching, and then the other half the people were like crying, and they're like, "Oh my God, someone else like me."
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, what did, What did you say that was that got people to to cry and be like someone else like me? What What, what was the essence of What is the essence of your message that that resonated?
1: I think a lot of people that sit in evangelical pews or padded chairs, because we don't want to be too traditional, uh, on Sundays, I think a lot of people are trying to fit in this system that is innately not made to fit them. Like, evangelicalism and, and religion in general is not made to make you feel better about yourself. Religion, white supremacy, capitalism, patriarchy, all depend on you being innately flawed and needing something that only they can give. And so I think a lot of people on Sunday mornings are sitting there in these in these congregations. And they're like, I'm I am flawed. I am terrible. I am failing. And they might be gay or they might just be like a, uh, a, a an inconsistently uh, gracious human being. You know what I mean? And so what I, I think when I stood up and said, like, you cannot say that you love people and be and be racist and homophobic. I think people were like, holy shit prep this guy is challenging the system that that tries to set itself up as infallible i it was a little david and goliath i think and so i think people were touched like hey someone's speaking about me someone's fighting for me someone is acknowledging the pain and trauma that i have felt um and i i, I know it because i felt it you know what i mean
0: i don't want to give evangelicalism too much attention yeah does that make sense absolutely i, I want to I want to there is some deconstructing that, that yeah. I want to do, but as yeah. we saw yesterday with um evangelicals, I was gonna say mm-hmm. Christians, but uh, right evangelicals coming in yeah. and saying uh holding up um Jesus saves
1: uh Jesus all, saves signs
0: signs as their uh these are domestic terrorists, um, domestic
1: terrorists Going
0: to the Capitol building and trying to stop things. Uh, vast majority, if not all of them, are white. This is white evangelicalism it that is. you are talking about, and that should be deconstructed. We have yes. just just a, we have a little bit of time left. Yeah, as we're deconstructing that toxic white supremacist theology, uh-huh. what is the what is the what is the alternative? What is the what is the thing that we build up? Do we build yeah. something up in its place? Is that the right framework to have? Um, that's the question. In opposition. I don't even want to say in opposition to it. Because that's like it- what next yes that's the question what next it's
1: like like, because because like there's there there's still a whole debate like i've heard a lot of especially african-american people just be a completely frustrated with the term of like racial reconciliation yep. because the idea of reconciliation implies that there was a healthy relationship before and let's be real america and 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 western uh protestant evangelicalism has has never had a good relationship to racial relations and so i, I think the question is do we rebuild do we abolish do we fix like what do we do but I really think that one of the answers and one of the reasons I wanted to come on here is that like I challenge the accepted norm in my area by existing right um and Jesus is here God is here and if God is here some folks have some theological reckoning to do and just as God is here in this genderqueer, tattooed human being who likes to swear a lot, but can also quote most of the Bible to you, right? God, j- Just like God is here, you know, God was in Africa before the colonizers came, right? And so I don't know what the answer is, big picture, but I do know that it involves listening to the margins. Because uh, if you look at Jesus's birth story, Jesus's orientation in the world, Jesus was intentionally positioned to experience the life of poverty from the beginning and from the inside. like God came to and for the margins. So if we're going to have any reclamation when it comes to religion and I mean even all Abrahamic religions, um, you know what I mean Western religions, we have to listen to and through the margins. And if you're if you're centered in the conversation, then you need to decenter yourself and you need to listen to the margins. And if you're in the
0: margins, you need to take heart. Because because divinity came to and through the margins, you know. Amen to that. I'm <laughs> this Sunday. We're gonna. I'm gonna be preaching on John the Baptist, who goes away from the central. Yes, he does. Place, the temple, because he says God's not here anymore. Because you're all corrupted. It and that is yep. the, that is the place of conservative religion in first century Judaism. Yes, it is. It's the, it's Baptist, the power structure. structure. It's the power structure. John the Baptist yep. says. God's not here anymore, so we're going out to the wilderness, to the margins, as you're saying, Leo, and that's where we're going to find God. Uh, All the people are invited. (laughs) All the people come, right? Phillips
1: baptized in a puddle. He didn't need a mikveh. The right. man at the pool of Bethesda was told to walk away, right? Like so many people find divinity, and further over they find baptism. And you want we—that's a whole concept unpack. But they find it walking away from the power structures of the day. And that's not to say that Judaism was bad, because I don't want to be anti-Semitic. But what I am saying is that it was a—they were finding divinity and purpose and power and healing outside of the power structures, not, necessarily outside of that faith but outside of the literal structures that signified you know religion in the day like the temples and the the mikvahs and all of those things
0: it is inherently jewish yes to have this prophetic tradition so john the baptist and jesus they're just fully within this jewish strand of the they're jewish they're, yeah, yeah they're they're like they're like uh remember the prophet Jeremiah who was like hey guys the temple is like corrupt yeah, yeah the yeah. temple's corrupt again this is a thoroughly Jewish thing to do yeah. that John the Baptist and that Jesus do so absolutely uh, it's it's awesome and good stuff and um I the last question that I have for you you give me hope your mother gives me hope me In, me too in these times, I one of the themes that I've been talking about the last uh, few months have been family relationships, mm-hmm. uh, in part because we're all feeling the strain of yeah. the last, since November and before November, the last four years have been a huge strain on families, my family included. Can you can you tell us a little bit about your mom and how? Yeah she came to this transformation this repentance means change your mind Mm -hmm. so it sounds to me like your mom had a a change of mind in where she was uh and your relationship with her can you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah um My mom is so dope. (laughs) Uh, There's so many moments where we butted heads, but like it's a blessing and curse raising a free spirit, free thinking child, right? And to be honest, raising me would have been terrifying. Right, because yeah. I was like, I was like, let's stick some dynamite in the establishment and blow it up. Uh, that that's just how I've always been, and that's uh-huh. terrifying to parent. You know what I mean? But my mom is, is just she's she's flawed and she's passionate and she's uh, you know intelligent and she's artistic and she's a little hot headed and she's all of these things. Um, but the the thing that my mom does so incredibly well is she's like a really good mom like she can be struggling on a human level but she's a really good mom and so i think once again processing out loud as i do i think what what happened with the jill um (laughs) with the jill is that her her sense of love for me overrode any other concern and let me make it very clear to you that my mom grew up in um evangelicalism that was rooted in southern ohio right so bible belt uh christianity and she said like i don't know if i'll ever understand you being trans right hmm. i will probably use your birth name for me that's not a non-negotiable that's that's okay in this instance because she said i will i am i love you and i will love you and i will come through for you And even before she had apologized, like there was a year where my wife and I were struggling to do Christmas for our family. Uh, We have five kids and um, Elle worked as a hairdresser at the time and I was an out of work social worker. So like extra, extra poor. Um, (laughs) And we were struggling to do Christmas. And my family went out and bought a, a, a Rubbermaid tote full of presents for every one of my children. And they bought a jacket for each one of them. And they bought another tote of cleaning supplies and another tote of food. And that was just my biological family, like my aunts and uncles, coming together and deciding to take this tangible action of love. And so it's not perfect. And it is flawed. But I can tell you what, I know for sure that my mom would come through for me. And I think that that's maybe that's what draws me back to faith, because I have to, like, I'm admittedly a theist, like, even if I'm having a conversation with someone who's an atheist, like, I just, I'm a, I'm a little golden retriever of a theist, like, I just believe, you know, um, but, uh, but, like, if we can, if we can major on that same major of love overriding anything, I think we've tapped into something,
0: and that's true. overriding anything, I, that's fantastic, that's the, that is the frame of mind that I am going to have in response to the horrific events yesterday yeah. and uh, i think that's a good frame for me to have as we begin 2021 so thank you for that leo we've got a couple of other comments uh let's see here uh raylene says so right on and um willow says hashtag mongols.
1: <laughs> she has mom goals she's a great mom right she's a yeah. little crazy right but she's a little she's a lot of loving right yeah. uh it's yeah. it's kind of like in stranger things i don't know if everybody's seen stranger things but um you know the 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 guys in the gang are like hanging out and Eleven's there and she like does something absolutely insane and and the guys from the gang look at look at this other like intruder and they're like she's crazy and she's our friend, you know, uh, what I mean? like, that's like she's crazy and she's my mom. She's my mom. Don't mess with her. You know what I'm
0: saying? <laughs> um, that's funny. Uh, Sandra says, amen. Sandra also says, Amira Stanley says, that's dope. And, um, Courtney says, Leo, you make me smile. I was just going to say, I've been <laughs> smiling throughout this whole conversation, which I always yeah. do with Leo. So if you want more conversations with Leo, go check Leo out at, yeah. uh, conversationsofficial.com,
1: Conversations
0: yep. you can uh, dot com. Ch- check Leo out there. Um, Willow says all of us moms are a little crazy. You know, I might be able to say the same thing about us dads. I was
1: just gonna say I got the best of both worlds as a non binary parent because I'm very maternal and like my wife will say that all the time, like she says all the time that that I'm like more maternal than her possibly. Um, And let me tell you like my kid could bite me and write a letter comparing me to Hitler. Both of which have been done, uh-huh. but if you if you mess with them, I will cut you. There <laughs> okay. okay. we go. It's a parenting thing, man. It's like they can do anything to you, and then you still are like, "Yeah, let me
0: let me do that for you, kid." You know, <laughs> Top bear the mama bear comes out. Yeah, that's, yep. That's how we roll. So absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for watching and for your comments. Violet says, "I love that so much." So, yeah, it's awesome. So uh, thank you, Leo, and always a pleasure to talk with you. And, friends. Yeah. we will be back next week with one pa- One Question with Pastor Adam. Until then, peace be with you all. Hi, everyone. Welcome to One Question with Pastor Adam. I'm Pastor Adam and I'm here with Leo. Hi Leo. How's it going? Great. How are you?
1: I I ran over here and I dropped my phone and I, I dropped my cookie and everything fell over but I'm like super pumped to be here and it's been a
0: very good day in Leo land so. Well that's awesome. You broke up just a little bit. What did you drop? Oh I dropped a cookie. Oh no. I know. And yet Still a good day in Leo land when you drop a it's cookie. It's a great you... day in Leo land. I
1: got some good news today. So
0: we all need to live in Leo land when you can drop a <laughs> cookie and still smile. It's fantastic. Can you share your good news?
1: I would absolutely love to share my good news. So I'm a hair salon owner. My beautiful partner, Elisa, and I own a salon called WT Hair uh, in the backwoods of Western New York, about a decade away uh, from New York City, at least if we're talking ideologically. (laughs) Um, But we are, we we're professional hair colorists and hairdressers, uh, but we really use our salon to just kind of be the kind of people that we want to be in the world, right? Yeah. And um, our hair color company, Pravana, which is a, a major multinational uh, company, selected us out of all of the artists that work for and with Pravana. They selected us to nom- be nominated for the um, Inspiring Salon of the Year Award through the North American Hair Awards, which is like one of the biggest award uh, things that happens in the hair world. So we are a finalist. Uh, we were we made it through the first round and we're a finalist for the Most Inspiring Salon of the Year Award. Wow.
0: I know. Yeah, yeah, it's a good day in Leo land.
1: It's a great day. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you
0: so much that is worth dropping a cookie for sure. Uh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And actually part of what we're doing here it ties into what we're talking about today on the podcast which is dope. So um yes. we're starting yeah. we're starting a binders and bras program uh through for the that our, that our WT hair family can contribute to. So we used to have a gender affirming clothing closet but we can't do that because of COVID. And so now we are going to do a we're going to do a fund so that people can contribute. We're just going to start a PayPal and then anybody can donate Whatever they want, and then when uh, a trans or non-binary individual comes to us and they need gender-affirming clothing, we'll be able to purchase them brand new clothing or binders or bras um, in their gender, so that they can feel whole and complete. Uh, so we're we're launching that. We were launching that today, whether or not we got the award. And then we got the award, and then it's the podcast, and then I have a cookie, and then I drop the cookie, but everything else still stands.
0: So um, that's amazing. So you at your salon have gender-affirming clothing for trans and non-binary folk. Yes, we do. And if that's inspiring and awesome. uh, How can people listening or watching um, contribute to that if they would like to help donate?
1: Uh, that would be super awesome, actually. So if you look us up, uh, you can find us at WTHair.net. That's our website. Or you can find us at WTHairOfficial on Facebook. And we are going to be dropping the link to the binders and bras program later today. We're just in the process of getting the account set up. So
0: I I know what a bra is.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there the, you go. Good job. No,
0: thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's a bind? Nailed it. A, a bi- I've got middle school children, so I know what a binder is, but is that what, you're, <laughs> what are you referring to in binder?
1: So a slightly different binder uh for <laughs> transmasculine folks or non-binary folks who have uh, are born with a chest, um, and that just just incongruent with. Their gender identity. Uh, you can have what's called a binder. Um, people used to wrap ace bandages around their chest to kind of flatten and, and uh, flatten and minimize the appearance of their chest. But that's actually really, really dangerous for your physical health. Uh, it can cause broken ribs, punctured lungs, um, spontaneous lungs collapse, lung collapse stuff like that from the compression. Um, so binders are a product that is specifically made for transmasculine uh, folks who have a chest and they want to minimize the appearance of that. So um, binders typically have like a sort of a canvasy type material in the front that creates a flat appearance. Um, but the difference with a binder is it's not compressive all the way around so that the person's um, rib cage can still expand and contract as it needs to.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it wow. was fantastically helpful for me when I got my
0: first one. So, Whoa, Leo, that's so good. So friends, if you want to help Leo out, what does WT stand for? That's your salon. W
1: Yep, uh it either stands for what the hair or it stands for our last names. Uh my last name is Walters and L's last name is Tahara. Together we're Walters Tahara now that we got married. Uh but no one can spell or say either of our last names. So in an effort to be more googleable, we went with WT. <laughs> or it could be white trash here
0: like this is just such uh so awesome and profound and also hilarious all at the same time which is always how it goes down with leo so leo thank you for being here i haven't even done the intro to the show yet uh i'm not gonna do it we're just gonna skip right past it um because uh this is so much fun so friends last week we had leo on the show and kind of had Leo tell us his story uh, about being transgender and faith and Christianity and uh, had so much fun. Uh, we all had so much fun and I wanted to bring Leo back on to kind of go over a and a with Leo about what are the what are the big questions that people often ask you uh, when it comes to this topic. Leo, The other thing that Leo does is Leo has Conversations Official, which is a Facebook group. Uh, that has tons of conversations on it on all kinds of different topics. So um, if you want more of Leo, which why wouldn't you want more of Leo? Go over to, <laughs> go over to Conversations Official and uh, like the page. You can also go to the website Conversations Official and follow uh, Leo there too. So uh, you're a great Leo, hype man. Thanks, <laughs> Leo. What are what are the like the big questions about faith and transgender that you that you get? So
1: a lot of people will lump um, trans folks into the same argument that homosexuality is is anti-biblical, which first of all, that's actually a load of crap and it's terrible exegesis, right? But transgender is something completely different than orientation, right? Gender identity and orientation are separate aspects of a person's life. And so the same verses that are used to condemn LGBTQ people Mm falsely cannot, they can't be extrapolated to cover gender identity. And so what happens is there's, you know, five clobber passages in the Bible that talk about, that talk specifically about homosexuality. And I hate the hard H word. A lot of people in the LGBTQ community, the H word sounds sterile and medical and religious. So a lot of people don't use it, but I tend to use it when I'm talking in a a church conversation,
0: you know, H word is homosexuality.
1: Yes, that's the H word. Yeah, it's just been used by a lot of people in a in a weaponized manner. Yeah. So
0: okay, yeah. Is there another word that people like to use more than that? Word? I just
1: use I use gay or lesbian or LGBTQ. Um, for me as a, a a person who is non-binary, uh, but feels more comfortable presenting masculine, uh, but I also am a lesbian and I'm attracted to lesbians. Some people will fight me on that identity, but too bad, it's mine. Uh, I identify as queer. So I use queer as a blanket term. But just if you steer away from homosexuality and same sex attraction, those are phrases that are frequently used by by like the church um, in a negative connotation. So a lot of people just prefer to not use that word, it can have an icky kind of feeling just to start off with. So,
0: so just use Um, just use LGBTQ words. That.
1: yeah i i like that a lot better personally uh like the hard h word and same-sex attraction really triggers like yucky feelings in me um so i i steer clear of it but i use it in this context uh, on purpose so um so yeah those verses they can't be extrapolated to cover gender identity it's absurd because they just don't relate um Really, the Bible itself, I've heard some really interesting and terribly exogized sermons on the topic. Um, But the Bible itself, like the nature of God in God's self would seem to be indicative of the fact that a binary does not exist. Like in, in the New Testament and we're talking, we're not, we're talking new covenant. We're talking post animal sacrifice, um, you know, in the era of Jesus being the lamb of God and us not needing to have that old covenant anymore. Right. It says that Jesus came to make a new covenant and in the new covenant in Christ, there was, there was no Jew or Gentile or, uh, or male or female right there. Was, we were just one in Christ and that i think is the biggest That's that's where my argument for being trans yeah. always starts like literally literally jesus said nothing about gender identity god is gen is gender fluid or or a gender god is uh, outside of gender so why are you trying to force a binary on there that's purely a cultural thing and so um i've heard a lot of arguments some people say you know the argument that god made them male and female me- female and male he made them or whatever that's fine if you're just assuming that the idea of sex is for procreation but if you're having sex and you're not making a baby then you're in you're in a, an agreement that sex can be for pleasure and if sex can be for pleasure then lgbtq people like you it's it's a logical fallacy to try to say that you know because lgbtq people can't have babies they, that it's wrong and because because trans people are not talked about in that initial marriage agreement it's wrong It. It's actually it's just the biggest stretch, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't make sense. So
0: it's it's interesting because if you like the biblical literalists want to do, if you take that passage literally that God made them male and female, yeah, then it literally means that we are all made at least a little male and a little female. Exactly. We're all exactly. on we're all on the if you take it yes we are of of that scripture passage
1: we sure are and you know what's what's wildly ironic is that biologically we all start out as female uh we all start out with a clitoris uh in utero and then we develop and another thing that is seemingly just vanished from the uh, from the discussion is the fact that the uh, intersex folks and androgynous folks and gender diverse folks occur naturally. Like there is, I, I wish I had the stats right now, but there's an association of intersex uh, folks, and it gives the breakdown of the percentage of folks that occur that are born intersex or have ambiguous genitalia, and in that case almost always parents and doctors decide to mutilate an infant's fully functioning genitals to fit some sort of societal binary. And so you can kind of see the way that like uh, like binary Christianity has has forced harms onto our society, because why would you put your child through that surgery when it's not necessary? I mean, who else is looking at your child's genitals? We should ask that question first, you know.
0: I am like, this is the first time that the word, I don't know if I can say it, clearance has been used on one question uh, after Adam. And I'm just like, yeah. mind stop. That's fantastic. I love it. Um, I'm here for that. So uh, that's the other thing is like the Bible, like clearly our LGBTQ siblings exist. Mm-hmm. Clearly our intersex siblings exist. Absolutely. Even if the Bible doesn't say it outright. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, clearly, I mean, the other thing, uh, I got this from, uh, Austin Hartke. Do you know Austin Hartke? Mm -hmm. I
1: do. I've been trying to get him on here. Oh, well on conversations.
0: Yes. Great stuff. Austin in Austin's book, uh, transforming says that, um, the Bible says that God separated the land from the sea Mm-hmm. And Austin says, "But I can show you a marsh. A marsh exists. Huh.
1: <laughs> course, yes, I'm great. so glad you said that.
0: Like the yep. like the, the space in between, yeah, exists in the creation story, right? But we know that it exists.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It was a lit the the creation story, which if you if you break it down, which so, like literalists do not want to hear this, but yeah. the two creation narratives that are set forth are not congruent." Yes. And if you study, if you really study what's happening, like most of the Hebrew Bible, the creation narrative is a poem and it's a poem that functions on an inverse structure. So you start out with the big topics. Sorry, I'm trying to stay my camera. You're good. You work you work down to the little topics and then it fans back out to the big topics, right? And it in that it it's bookends, right? And so you see you see that with alpha and omega. It's a linguistic structure. You see that with land and sea. It's a linguistic structure. It's a book end. So therefore, if these if this is a book end, it's a structure that's laid out multiple times in the creation narrative, then male and female is also, guess what? A bookend with things in between it. Yes.
0: Brilliant. I love it. Um we're getting Marion. Thank you for being here. Rebecca says, Congratulations, Leo, on the big news of the day. It's fantastic. Vallette is clapping. Vallette's Vallette. Clapping! It's awesome. And Rebecca, <laughs> said, yes, a poem to show evolution. Mm-hmm. Wow. we're real heretics here today. I know, right? We're earning it. <laughs> That's awesome, Rebecca. I love it. Like uh it, clearly, the the there's this evolutionary process in Genesis mm-hmm. chapter one of creation, mm-hmm. and people often think that oh, creation ended after six days. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. continues as as uh the hebrew scriptures and as jesus says uh later on um yeah god is still creating in the world Uh, thank god for that what are some other questions that people people have
1: i've so to be honest with you i have found this people are armed to the teeth at least they think they are, with the five clobber passages, right? And then I've heard other sermons that includes other passages, but they're literally just so extrapolated. Like, really, if you boil it down, anyone who wants to have an honest intellectual conversation can only stand on these five passages. They feel armed to the teeth. But when you bring up transgender, they have nothing. Because it doesn't relate to a sexual act. And so they have no ground to stand on. And so you fall back on this male and female argument. But the issue is, is there's even less verses in the Bible that can be concretely used to come at LGBTQ people, specifically T. There's even less passages that can be used against us. As a matter of fact, there is certain biblical evidence for transgender people like there are transgender people in the Bible. Like the eunuch, bro, like the eunuch um is eunuchs are a transgender person. Eunuchs are people who are born with male uh characteristics and they are they are castrated, right? So they're a, they are made to be effeminate and they're the they're, they're like a holy order. Eunuchs are a holy order, and there are eunuchs in the Bible all over the place. And so i I feel personally, that you have no leg to stand on to condemn transgender people. I I mean, I don't think you're right to debate LGBT or LGB people, Mm -hmm. right? But there's, there's some verses that people will interpret, but there's, there is even less to stand on when it comes to being transgender.
0: The only verse that has been thrown at me when I'm, when I talk about transgender issues is a passage in Deuteronomy that says, men shouldn't wear women's clothing and women shouldn't wear men's clothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But to that, I would ask to that. I would ask what is defined in the context of Deuteronomy as men's clothing and what is defined as women's clothing, because those those uh, that ascribing of gender to clothing is solely based on culture. And so you can't like you can't even use that argument now unless you can tell me what a male garment was in the context of the writer that wrote Deuteronomy like you, you can't. Like there are places, if we're talking in the Middle East, where where men are wearing dress like garments, like we'll talk about kilts in Scotland. We'll talk about all these things. Right. And they just simply are purely culturally based. And I think that's where people frequently conflate the idea of Christian culture versus Christian religion. And culture is not something that I'm bound to. Right. Because it depends on where you live. So if you're truly going to be a global faith, you can't be bound to one culture.
0: I've, I can't. Yes, absolutely. I've also heard it. Um, I've also heard some. I can't remember where I heard this, but uh, it's been it. I heard it said that uh, that verse was there because men were trying to act like women in order to get out of military service. Ooh, interesting. So not because they were they thought they were, yeah, we were trans, trans anyway. Right? It had nothing to do with trans. It was all about like getting out of military service. Um mm-hmm. and maybe there were women who wanted to get into military service because they were like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I can fight with the men too. So
1: Yeah, why not? <laughs> I roll with that. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 So, um, and there's
1: also there's also some interesting connotations too, as far as LGBTQ people, including the T in the Bible, um, when you talk about, uh, in particular, I'm thinking of the story of Naomi and Ruth, yes. because in Naomi and Ruth, right, they're functioning in a relationship. Like, that's what's happening there. And so there's certain implications about gender roles there because there's a whole where you go, I will go where you stay, I will stay, like people use that in cisgendered weddings. Yes. It's two women! (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, it's just the, the... There's there is really good evidence and I actually have some good sources on that in a video I did early on in conversations. Um, There's 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 actually some really, really well-educated scholars that have some ideas about the prevalence of LGBTQ people in the Bible and they lay it out really, really well. So but Naomi and Ruth is one of the ones where you talk about gender roles uh, and how those gender roles come into play and bear on interpersonal relationships.
0: That's interesting. I've heard uh David and Jonathan too. Oh,
1: yeah, gay AF. <laughs> gay AF. Come on. I'm a I'll drop the hard f word cuz I can, but okay. they were very they were very faggy. It's a thing, yes. bro.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: OG David, gay couple.
0: Yeah, David says David the first or the second king of Israel uh has this really great friend Jonathan who's the son of the first king of Israel and David is it David who says to Jonathan you are more I love you more than any woman or something like that
1: Yeah, yeah 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 the the reference is is slipping my mind but yeah they I it's so weird because for me like the way that David and Jonathan function for me feels very much like a model of a, of a loving, good relationship. And my brain always understood it as such. And then I like went back and thought about it when I was getting, you know, getting hate for coming out. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's
1: awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like people just don't. There's no leg to stand on when it comes to this gendered uh, sense of Christianity, and and that really frustrates me because I don't. I mean, gender roles are so enmeshed with the culture of the reader, um, and the culture of the writer. But like, gender is a cultural construct. it, it doesn't exist. There's no. There's no prescription for a binary in the Bible and there's certainly no prescription for a binary in the cre- in creation.
0: Well, it seems that yes, and it it seems that Jesus always tries to deconstruct the binaries that we create, right? Yep. Yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. I was preaching one time. uh, I was doing pulpit supply in in rural uh, western Pennsylvania. So even more conservative than where I'm at right now, only about 20 minutes away, but another decade back. uh, And I called Jesus a tricky little bastard because he because he in the Gospels, he, he makes you think bro. Jesus is like, use your brain people. Like he didn't say that, but he said that like, Jesus, how does a camel get through the eye of a needle? Well, it's easier, or you know, or how do you get in heaven? Well, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, like tricky little bastard, making you use your own brains. And that's like, that's a thing, man. That's a, that's what Jesus does is he's making you think like constantly left and right. And he's deconstructing binary and rigid thinking with every parable yes every one of them
0: yes and it's it's fascinating like i'm reading uh the book of john the gospel of john Mm -hmm. and the very first person to teach about jesus is a woman jesus meets this woman uh this um uh she he meets the woman at the well Mm -hmm. and he talks with her and she goes back to her town and teaches the men Mm -hmm. and the women (laughs) Mm -hmm. all about jesus and yep uh, so this is like i mean this is something that we have to deal with in christianity too because later on this guy named paul or at least in a letter that we think that paul wrote there's Mm -hmm. that phrase that says women should not teach men or should not speak in church or uh various phrases like that i think that that's probably mm-hmm. not paul because the, mm-hmm. because what you quoted earlier where paul says in galatians in christ there's no longer jew or greek male and female for we're all one um so a lot of scholars think that all of that anti-women stuff in paul was put in there after paul wrote it by a scribe mm-hmm. who was like we're just gonna bash women right here
1: well, that's redemptive for me because i've always i've long considered paul to be just a big d-bag to be honest
0: <laughs> I, i'm sure that paul had d-bag moments i'm sure i'm sure that he did but man my my new testament professor in seminary was like this is not paul when it's yeah. when it's in paul's letters because it's like it's sandwiched in between this it right in the middle of something that paul and then it Paul says something, yeah. and then Paul goes back to what he was saying before. Yeah, and that's it's like logically like, incongruent. Yes, that's exactly what my my New Testament professor was saying, uh, and it goes against what Paul says that, that that this like there's no male and female under Christ. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Paul may have been inconsistent. We're all inconsistent, but the whole point of it true. is Jesus tells women to go teach men about Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So all of these like anti-women, women women should be silent stuff is totally deconstructed by Jesus Mm -hmm. himself.
1: Absolutely. 100%. Jesus is like the master deconstructionist, man. And if anything, if you go to Jesus looking for answers, you're going to come away with more questions and more possibilities. You know what I'm saying? More possibilities. Jesus is like, you thought it was this, but what if it's this? You know what I mean? With a lot of S's.
0: Yeah, that's it. Like, what if it's so much bigger than what you'd ever thought?
1: Exactly. I, exactly.
0: That's I love how you went this with your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much bigger. So, yeah. um fantastic. I
1: really feel like I have come to see that that nature of of Jesus and, and spirit and divinity through my transition. Because there are markedly different ways that you experience the world when people view you as a female versus a male. And moreover, when I was a female, I always looked gay. Before I knew I was gay, everybody else did. Like, I was in a glass closet, right? Everybody else saw what was happening. And people were worried about me before I knew to be worried about anything. Uh, You know what I mean? But but there's a difference in the way the world treats you when you're a visibly, you know, out lesbian versus when I could pass as a straight male until I speak, but I could pass as a straight male. And, um, I think that through coming to see the world, um, in, I like to say that like I am multitudes, like Leo is an expanse. Leo is a spectrum, right? And I frequently have existed on opposite ends of that spectrum throughout my life too. Like gay, Christian, male, female, introvert, extrovert, like there's all sorts of things. And I think I've come to understand a new or an evolved or an evolving understanding of how... I experience God differently based on the way the world perceives me. And some of that is really just an opening of my eyes to injustice. Um, But, but it's been an interesting journey for sure.
0: So when, say that again, when you, before you transitioned, Mm -hmm. the world treated you differently. Very differently. Now, Yep. say more about that. How did the world treat you differently before you transitioned? So
1: I will break it. I, I will make my jumping off point a point about interactions with law enforcement, which is a great hot topic right now. Yeah. But as a, as an a visible lesbian, and when I say visible lesbian, obviously, I'm referring to cultural stereotypes, because there are as many different types of lesbians as there are lesbians. But for me, I was like, you're very like, for lack of a better word, very dikey, kind of very masculine woman. Uh, But I also had a very large chest naturally, so I could not pass as androgynous. Like I was very much like a a masculine looking female. Um, And I got pulled over for doing 26 and a 25, and I got the book thrown at me, right? And then ever since I have been uh, like presenting as male and really passing as male, I'm knocking on some wood here, but ever since I've been presenting as male, anytime that I have gotten pulled over, I have not gotten a ticket, not once. And I was going 26 and a 25 before, right? And so this like really started to... Uh, epitomize or emphasize or accentuate. The differences, like the, the way that people look at me, right? Um, and even like on, I play soccer. I've played soccer since I was three. And like, I used to be a really aggressive female and that was super awesome. It was dope because they'd stick me in the goal and everybody's like, oh, they just put a girl in the goalie position to fill a spot. So there's enough girls on the field at co-ed soccer. And then I would come out and I would tear your face off. Not scared, bro. I only ever had to be told once to be aggressive. And so that was valued when I was a female. And when you're when you're a lesbian uh, it, it, athlete, you're kind of like people like, oh yeah, they're good. You know what I'm saying? Like they're good, <laughs> good, good. Like you want a lesbian on your co-ed team because they're gonna put you up there, like they're the next best thing to a dude, right? But then when I am at the Y and I'm playing soccer and I just come out like ah, right. And I just I tackle this girl to get the ball, uh. Like my wife pulled me aside and she's like, you look like a real a-hole. And I was like, what? Because for me, my experience of playing soccer never changed. But the experience of the world watching me play drastically different, right? And so I start to see the interplay and expectations of how gender is treated and how the world treats you based upon its understanding of your gender.
0: I feel like I'm in the matrix and you just like. It's wild. Lifted the veil a little bit for me. (laughs)
1: It's wild, man. Like I can get any, I can get things done with a go bills and a, Hey brother that I could have never gotten done as a female. Uh, one of my friends we were at a bar we were at a, a gay bar at Pride and my friend handed in her card because they were holding the cards so, so you keep your tab open whatever she went back to get her card and they would not give it to her she's like that is that is me, that is my name. look at the picture they wouldn't give it to her. And so she's like, can you come over here and help me And it's a gay bar and I'm like a uh, like a shirtless gay man with, you know, like glitter pasties on my nips. And so I was like, hey, um, my friend's idea is like back there. Could you like give it to her? Got it so fast, man. It's just weird. Like and there's there's even patriarchy and toxic masculinity within the LGBTQ family. Like that's a thing, too. Like a lot of prides have become about white, cisgendered, affluent gay men. And so there's a new hierarchy that there's a lot of LGBTQ uh, brown people who are rejecting pride movements because they're not inclusive and they are still white centric and patriarchal. And so it just really makes you think about why our society is prone to creating binaries and hierarchies when it's not a natural occurrence, you know. And that happens in the church and in the real world.
0: That's so sad. The church and That's the all- world, but
1: Yeah. It's weird. It's really strange. And it is a lot like being in the matrix when you, especially seeing it firsthand, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I wanted to end on a word of hope.
1: Yeah, let's do that. And you've
0: got some hope for us. I do. Yes. I always. You always bring (laughs) the hope. Can you show us your your, uh, hope? thing? Oh
1: yeah, I can. Absolutely. So roll with me here, friends, but I'm going to show you guys a picture Um, This is actually a piece of art that I made from a picture that I found on the side of the road. Uh, And I had had an idea to do this for quite some time, but what I wanted to do was take an old, uh, an old busted picture. And I had a vision in my head of like uh, my mom's like mid nineties, home interiors, decorations, you know, Uh, that you could buy, you'd had like the parties right right along with the pampered chef. Um, And I, I wanted to take one of those and and like reclaim it and remake it. And it just so happened that I found this guy on the side of the road for zero dollars. <laughs> I don't know. That's me. Um, but so what I did was I made that uh, basically using tape and then painting over it, and then peeling off the tape, and then refining it with the word hope. Um, but that's the one thing that I would like to bring to the world is that sense of hope. I literally have it tattooed on my chest, like. And maybe I'm an optimist, and maybe I'm hardwired to have the same kind of spirit as a golden retriever. But I really believe. In the idea that there is hope in the world. And I do believe that like spirit and God uh, and Jesus, like the person of Jesus, uh, are guideposts and signposts that, that call us forward into hope. And I do believe that especially if you're a transgender or a gender variant person, there is a definitive place for you in the community of God. And I do believe, in fact, that history, uh, biblical history, words from the Bible, and also the histories of every ancient and indigenous culture in our world indicate that LGBTQ people in specific transgender people are almost always hit for hit. chosen and revered as the most holy people in a society in almost every indigenous culture across the world lgbtq people and gender variant person people existed and not only did they exist they were the leaders and they were the elders and they were the eunuchs and they were the prophets and they were the caretakers of the widows and the orphans like there is a place and it is if there is any place in the world for for transgender people, it should be in the heart of spiritual community.
0: That is beautiful. Thank you. Fantastic. Absolutely. Leo, thank you for being here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, everyone, thank you for watching and uh, thank you for your comments. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to the podcast on app itunes or wherever you're listening to your podcasts and go check out leo's work leo congratulations again on today um thank you so much i'm sorry about the cookie but uh it's okay else was just made it worth it so congratulations. absolutely and uh how can people donate to binders and bras again
1: so yeah, if so, if you want to donate to binders and bras, which is going to be a fund uh that's COVID safe, we had to, you know, we had to fit strategically. Uh, but if you would like to to uh, contribute to a fund to provide gender affirming clothing and undergarments to transgender people, particularly in rural and closeted uh, situations, you can go to wthair.net on Facebook or uh, wthair.net as our website, and then from there you can find our Facebook, which is WT Hair official and we. We will do a pinned post with a, a donate now button to a paypal for uh, binders and bras so you can find that there you can also find me at conversationsofficial.com or conversations official on facebook where i facilitate weekly uh, open postured interfaith intersectional spiritually minded conversations about life uh and the intersection of life and belief and everything in between uh you can find us there too i love
0: it fantastic i love it Thank Thank you. you so much. much. Thank you for your work. Thank you for bringing the hope into our world and into Western New York. What did you say decades away from New York city?
1: Literally a decade behind New York city, man.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Leo, uh, for being here and friends. We will do it all again next Thursday at one o'clock Pacific, uh, here on the Clackamas United Church of Christ page and on the Raven foundation Facebook page. Until next time, grace and peace be with you. Bye-bye.